Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have a fellow SLP and also the March 2023 speech retreat speaker here, Dr. Tania Kearney. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to be chatting with you. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself as an SLP and then more into how you became the SLP you are today. (laughs) Sure. That was a journey. I am a pediatric SLP. I work part-time in my private practice and also part-time in a public school in my school district. Love my little ones, elementary school kiddos. Also work with uh, autistic children in my school's autism program, which is like the highlight of my day. Uh, It's my specialization area. So I love those kiddos. And I really am, as we mentioned, kind of transforming and growing as you become an SLP. Not the same as when I first started out. Um, So while I knew I had a love for autism, it's not until really recently that I realized that I really have a passion for kind of teaching and educating and empowering caregivers and parents um, on how to really boost their children's language skills and to advocate for them in schools. That is huge. Yeah, I know in my district alone, that is a huge issue of parents just not knowing their rights and what their abilities are to ask for different things, especially us working. Like sometimes we know what they need, but we can't say it, though. So you want someone else to tell them like what they can say. (laughs) That is awesome. That is so amazing. And, And now that you are specializing in this, what are some things you face or overcome and um, successes you've had in the field? 
really, you know, I've, I'd say specialized, but I kind of just found this is my niche, this population for a long time. And kind of right now, it's not like a part of my business per se. I'm just really finding ways to creatively kind of work it into my everyday. Like you say, a lot of times we can't come out and overtly say some of these things to the parents. Um, but I am really getting more creative about how I am reframing goals when it comes to just being more neurodiversity affirming, right? Educating parents and the team members on why certain goals don't need to be a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why there are certain other areas we need to be strengthening kind of those ways, right? Of working my school team, educating the school team, at the same time, empowering the parent with that information. So that's kind of how I'm working that right now. It's interesting you said that I wrote a report today with a grad student of mine and we were really, had to take a step back and I'm like, is that really Mm. a disability? Yep. Is that really something we need to be fixing? Absolutely. Is that really the reason why they're not in a gen ed setting? Yep. It is like a a real mind-blowing kind of thing to go back and be like, I'm looking at all these pragmatic language goals. So I really need to be targeting these things. Am I really teaching the right thing? Am I trying to make this child in something that they're not supposed to be made into? Like mm-hmm. it, it definitely is a humbling process also, which is why each time I do it, I'm just like, yep, this is super important. More reason to empower these parents and caregivers. So they know what to expect, what to ask for and how to, you know, best uh, kind of meet their child's needs too. You know the story, you know the drill. Parents often are just kind of talked at and not listened to. And if you don't know what to ask and say, you certainly are not going to be the best advocate. So part of our job, right? Especially so much information is thrown at them at one time. And I always have to remind my colleagues, this is someone's child. It's yep. like that, their baby. There's an emotional piece in part of it. Like here we are, that they're just one of our many kids we have to evaluate. Yeah. This is someone's child that... They care at a different level than we could ever relate to. Absolutely. Yeah. And then evaluation is not just evaluation, right? It's like the map for potentially the direction that child's life is going to go into or move towards. It's just such a powerful tool that we can be using so much more effectively and purposely to push them in the right direction and not just in the direction that we've always pushed them into. Don't get me started. (laughs) I, I want to say I dropped the mic, but there's so much more to be said about it. But at the same time, like you're preaching to the choir and everyone listens like, yes, yes. Like this is so eye opening for someone yeah. who's been in the field for 15 plus years. This is new stuff. Yep. And I feel like I'm so proud of SLPs because I feel like we're kind of there almost first. Like yeah. we are heading this movement. Yeah. I know okay. in my building, I'm the only one aware of it. I agree. I agree with you. What advice would you give to someone who is like me, where they're unsure of how to help parents and staff members understand, advocate, shift Mm -hmm. their, change their perspectives? What advice would you give? That is a great question. I'm still answering that question myself, right? Each unique uh, kind of experience Mm -hmm. new and different. But so far, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said just Remember, this is someone's complete baby. Just like if you have children, your kids are your baby. Put that at the forefront of your mind. And that alone will make you take a bit more time and effort and care in kind of advocating. Secondly, you know, I find myself 
very often just having more conversations before a meeting pops up. I start with the parent. So I'm calling parents before meetings to review what we're going to talk about. So they're not just inundated with information, but they have at least from the speech part, um, they've had an opportunity to kind of hear before, ask questions about, get clarity on. And just that alone, I find empowers them enough to ask more questions, right? At the actual meeting table. So because I prepare them and say, listen, we are here to service you and help you be a better advocate for your child. How can I and we, the team, help you do that? Just saying that empowers them to be able to advocate better, right? Like, oh, I'm allowed to ask questions? I didn't know that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, for sure. And so outside of that with the actual, my team members, it's sometimes educating in that meeting, right? <laughs> and so, oh, yeah. for example, I had um, one meeting where there was an advocate present and she was really doing her job, trying to get me to assess like every single aspect of speech and language for this one child. And I had to, you know, kindly remind her, well, I'm here to address whatever the needs are that are impacting this child academically and functionally, socially in this school setting. So let's hear what the teacher has to say. And she kept trying to like railroad and say, well, he has autism, so he absolutely must have it. Not so. Oh, my goodness. His needs are his needs. And uh, just his diagnosis does not dictate that he has to have services in every single area. Right. So. And also education, like like the classroom is a language based setting also. Doesn't mean it has to be provided by us. But that's that's where like, you know, advocating for our field and our students, like it's so, so true. Yeah. Absolutely. And look, and listen, I had to also gently and kindly speak to some of the things the advocate was bringing up as evidence, right? For example, a standardized assessment she kept raising scores for. Well, number one, this child was a a culturally and linguistically diverse child. So that alone tells me that I can't rely on these test scores, right? I should not even have test scores to look at. Let's start there. I should be looking at a some SLPs qualitative thorough breakdown that does not include test scores. Um, but that was not the case. And also, and I mentioned that in a meeting, I mentioned the issue with that particular test use and what the issues were to educate the entire team as I continue to explain why I do and don't do what I do and don't do. <laughs> Your two subtests in language versus my entire assessment in language. I've I've had very uncomfortable conversations in the wrong settings mm. in front of parents to basically say, like, I am the speech language pathologist. Right. I still have that degree. Yeah. Expert. The last time I checked, I'm the one in the room. <laughs> and I'm making my recommendations not to, like, penalize the student. I'm actually saying, like, this is a strength. Absolutely. And the parents and are like, this yeah. is great. And the, clearly I'm still scarred from that situation. And that was, like, a good, like, eight years ago. Um, that's hilarious. But that's so true that... Our students and their parents need someone knowing our students' rights and what is really, truly going to benefit them in the long term. Absolutely. So many times people, educators, teachers, Mm -hmm. want that quick fix. Fix it now. That CYA, cover their tuchus. Yep. You know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's like, that's not what's best for the kid. Can you describe a little bit what got you inspired to start creating your uh, flip books and stuff for children? Yeah. So Lola Koala's Travel Adventures is the name of my Lift the Flat Board book series. And 
really it all ties back to <laughs> the kiddos that I see, right? So each year I see new faces, but I'm working on the same fundamental goals, right? And a lot of these goals that we're working on with kiddos that are coming into us are goals that parents really can be working on to build and strengthen at home so the kids don't need to even come see us, right? If I have another WH question, you know, a kiddo <laughs> go for it, you know, coming in, that's a skill that parents can certainly support at home. And so I kind of thought to myself, what are the basic things that I'm working on regularly with my little one? Um, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten especially, that parents can be working on at home to really build that foundation. I mean, when you're a parent, you don't know exactly what skills are super important skills, mm-hmm. right? Not an SLP mom, right? So um, I kind of thought of what are the skills that are super important also with, with the that the kids are going to be assessed on common core kind of expectation and how can I help parents address this in a fun way that does not feel like work? It doesn't require parents to memorize anything or be experts. And so my answer was interactive books, flip the flat books. So the first book in this series uh, targets who, what, where, and yes, no questions. Literally, you have every question you need to ask in that book. It's thoughtless for the parent. You have the flap, which gets the kid uh, motivated to answer the questions. I also give you a little tip on how to use the book if you want that extra step. And then the book comes with extra fun supplementary activities, like a activity kit you can purchase, passport booklet and stamps you can toss um, to kind of make that more interactive experience. Lots and lots of fun stuff. So hopefully this will catch on like fire. <laughs> I love it. I am just... I am like, let's get the next generation of kiddos out of the speech offices. Let's get the kids who need us and our experts yes. and get rid of the kids who just need more exposure. So, I always say our goal is to like these kids do not need us. Yeah. And, and I always say it's not going to we're not going to be discharging out of a job like that's right. okay. No, it's just not going to happen. And I still have a waiting room of kids that I need to evaluate. So it's like really that's, OK. It's really like, OK. Who's next on the DACA that needs to come in? Take that seat. I, Please. I love it that not only did you think of the children and what makes them engaged by the flip-flop book, but like you thought of this, all the skills and thought of Common Core and thought of how to integrate the yeah. academic needs and what are commonly seen in a school setting. So that yeah. one, SLPs can use it, parents can use it, teachers can use it, babysitters can use it. Right. <laughs> yes. Anyone. That's the goal, yeah. Older siblings. I'm even thinking like Absolutely. my my eight-year-old couldn't. Read that book to my four-year-old. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Right now, my two-year-old reads it to, no, my five-year-old rather reads it to my two-year-old. So yeah, yep, exactly. Makes it interactive and fun. Yeah. I love it that you really thought of everything. So so one book has the yes, no, and some WH question. What are some other ones in the series? So the second book and like second prayer this book can get done. I've had so many roadblocks to the second and third book in the series. But the second book is going to be targeting following directions. Ooh. Yeah, right. We always call that. And so some other skills I'm looking at are scribing, answering complex WH questions, just whatever you're working on every day with your kiddos. That's what I'm going to make a book for. <laughs> okay. So this time next year, hopefully before, but yes. How many books do you anticipate there being? Oh, so this time next no, year. No, so I didn't. That's why I didn't say the three. This time yeah. next year, how many yeah. years do you anticipate? At least the next two. Okay. I mean, for sure, because it shouldn't have taken this long to get the second book out. But if it next- makes you feel any better, as someone who wrote a, a, a children's book as like a passion project, when I was pregnant with my second, 
Uh-huh. That was four years ago. Okay. My older daughter, because I named it after my older daughter, Ella Bella Just Can't Tell Ya. Love and it. she's like, when are you doing the second book about your other child? I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I told my old one, I go, do you want to help me with it? So I get it. Okay. I go, I, I'm on four years and I've done nothing other than come up with a title. That's about that's it. That's so funny. But you know what? That's, that's how that goes sometimes. With me, the second book is actually completely finished. I just have run into a snag with like the illustration piece, the printing piece this time around. For some reason, the first time around was like smooth, right? No hiccups. Um, And this time, I guess it's like the real experience that other people. All right. So speech retreat, March 2023. Had that second book done. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you guys heard it here. This episode's going live January 23rd. So yeah. We have like two months. Next week? Yeah. I'm on that mission. I'm on that mission. <laughs> and you guys listening, going to hold her accountable. Message her on uh, Instagram. Be like, so. Oh, gosh. That first? And I'm just kidding. Only positive, only positive messages. Yes. Nine <laughs> words of encouragement. I love it, though. I love it that. Everything you do between advocate, you know, helping empowering parents and educating colleagues and using these books, everything is really geared on just empowering the group effort. That's not just us making a difference. It's everyone is, it it takes a village, right? Completely. Yep. Completely does. We like to think that us as as SLPs are like the only ones who can do a lot of things. And a lot of times we are. But yeah. I love it that you're really showing everyone that it doesn't have to be always just us. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. To be sustaining, it can't be just us, right? <laughs> right. They have, we see them for what, an hour a week. Exactly. Right. I always say, like, I should make a, put my face on a popsicle stick and put the mic, uh-huh. like, put my face in their desk or like in their backpack or something <laughs> like when they see my face, remember to use your, Good work. Like, thank you, Sam. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but like, it's true. Like, we could only do so yeah. much in our small time with them. Absolutely. What do you hope for the field in the next year or so? My in goodness. terms, in terms of empowering. Okay. Let, let's keep it narrow. Yeah. It's that is that is a huge one. You know, in terms of empowering, the one thing I really hope to see in the field. Actually, there are. There is like a two part, right? So because my passion is in two different populations, it's the autistic population and those culturally and linguistically diverse kind of students as well. I'm hoping to see for both really an embracing of more dynamic assessment processes, right? I want to see SOPs rely on their expertise, their training and push themselves to develop that skill set even more by not relying on a standardized assessment that gives you scores that you just kind of write down what that test says and now you're done, right? I want the field to become better critical thinkers, to really be better at finding what the functional purpose of each goal and objective is, to be more self-aware of how great of an impact we have when we fail to do those things. That's what I want. No, that's to drop the mic. So true. Like, yeah. And I and I get it. And someone in the schools who has 60 plus students. Yeah. I'm having to evaluate like 40 of them this year because of like COVID times, like Crazy. the backup. But the test is just those numbers that like we have to do. Yeah. It's everything else 
when we had that child in front of us that matters so much more. So much more. You know, for me, even and I like like you said, I know that I lived that struggle. But even if if the only thing SLPs did was for every single child, make sure they conducted a really great observation and took detailed notes and collected a quick language sample, not this like, you know, complicated breakdown of like all the syntactical features. No, just ask them about your favorite, you know, vacation, a birthday that you loved and let them talk for a couple minutes and just write that stuff down. That alone is like mm-hmm. a, just a great improvement. Yes. Oh, the, the evaluation I did today, the student scored less than first percentile on everything because mm. neurodivergent student yeah. got defiant, refu- like a shutdown, didn't want to do anything. He was perseverating yeah. on leaving my room. Gotcha. Didn't blame him. My room was 100 degrees. But at the same time, while he was cursing me out and saying the things he was saying, oh, I was no. writing. I, it's fine. I was writing it all down. That was a language sample. Right. Exactly. I got, I got verb tenses. I got yep. parts of speech. I got question words. I got this. I'm like, Absolutely. that tells me so much more. So much more. Yep. I saw, I think, form content news. Like, I was telling my grad student this. I was like, think of the pragmatic language we saw. Yep. He was rejecting. He was yep. <laughs> Protesting. I I literally handed her a piece of paper and I said, this is the evaluation right here. No, not the one in your hand. Exactly right. I get very kind of bothered too that I feel SOPs tend to feel so kind of boxed in by the the speech, the standardized assessment. So you can use them, right? They're not evil. They are helpful. But even if you are going into it knowing, you know what, the scores aren't important, but I can use this as a tool to help me. So instead of just reading the the instructions as they're created, change them to make sure your child understands it. Instead of giving that practice item that seems kind of off the wall, give a different practice item, right? If they- Um, A more obvious answer, like a more obvious one. A more obvious one, right? Because I think we move away, we move so far away from the actual purpose of the test because we're married to how the test says it should be run, right? I don't care about how the test says it should be run. I care to get the skill. I want to see if you have the skill that this test is assessing. So if this test is assessing, you know, your ability to identify object function, and I ask you, what do you, what do you use a pencil for? And you give me this crazy answer. I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to ask you three more questions. What do we use this for, that for, and this for? And if they're all, you know, wrong answers, then okay, you don't have this skill. But if you give me three great answers that are not on that test at all, guess what? That's a correct score. <laughs> you just got that one right. Bring in no. Roblox, Minecraft, like anime. Yeah. Sonic, I, be- I bet you they can probably answer that question related to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Like some of these standardized tests, I'd get things wrong. Uh, I'm trying to tell you. I am trying to tell you. Ponderous patchyderm. I mean, come on now. Enough said. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Okay. <laughs> Does it even matter? It doesn't. <laughs> like, right. how yeah. many times do our students, they can't define, but they know what a word means. Absolutely. If they read it, they would grasp the con- that what they're yep. reading in the text. Yeah, you give them a context, they can be like, oh, I know what that means. Absolutely. How often do they need to like seriously like spit out a definition? Yep. Does I don't mean- do that in life very often, except for my little five-year-old child who asks me what everything is. That's, that's it. <laughs> I'm not a dictionary. like, right. And you have access to one, so you don't need to be. <laughs> so, so true. I love this. Just 
remembering that these students need more from us than just dictating yeah. from a manual. Just yes. because it says we have to do it. This is your permission to stray from the manual a little bit. A lot of it if you need to. No one will know. No. I mean, honest. <laughs> yeah. It's so, but it's so, so true. And that's what makes our evaluation so much different than the, the other professionals we work with. They yeah. do just go straight from the, the, the yeah. protocols. Do they have it? Do they not have it? Not yeah. looking at if I teach it a little differently or present mm-hmm. it a little differently. And that's what our students need. And that's when we also have behaviors in our speech room. Absolutely. So when we have students that don't need to necessarily be there. Absolutely. Yep. Got it. Exactly right. <laughs> Is there any last bit of advice you would want to give to someone listening to this saying, you're right. Like, I need to be doing this more with my students. I need to be having this more empowering outlook on everything. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone? The advice I would give, because I'm in a school and I know that some districts like place pressure, it's not just the SLP, the pressure is on the score. I encourage SLPs to really own, again, own your expertise. Do not just do things that you know are unethical because once you know better, you have to do better, right? So I challenge you to start in your little bubble by pushing the envelope, explaining and educating why doing certain things a certain way just because it says it has to be done is not acceptable, right? Um, There are many things that are dead wrong in this world that were done for a long time because no one wanted to push the envelope and people said this is okay. Do not become complicit in what you're trying to change by sitting silent. When you know better, you must do better. And we're all able to do better in some small way. Oh my goodness. I love that. That might just be the title of this episode. <laughs> when you know better, you must do better. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Where can everyone learn more about you and everything that you're sharing and providing and your books and all that fun stuff? Sure. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Dr. TSLP. You can follow me on Facebook or hit me up on Facebook at Lola Koala Explorer. You can also check out my website, sunitakearney.com. I have finalpeacetherapy.com also that's more associated with my private practice though. Um, so for sure though, follow me on Instagram. You'll stay up to date. I have lots of things going on there. And for sure, head to lolakoala.com. That is everything Lola related, all kinds of free resources that you can offer to parents to build skills net tie and partner with the book series. Um, and I also am offering some webinars coming up, especially one in December which is designed to empower parents um, who have children in special education programs in a public school setting, what they should be asking for, what they should be aware of. So follow me, follow me, keep up with me and reach out. It's so amazing. So Dr. Nadia Kearney was so nice to offer, to give away her book to one of our amazing listeners. So in order to win the book, what you got to do is the week this episode airs, on my Instagram and on Dr. TSLP's Instagram, we'll have an image about the podcast episode. Comment on both of our images, like both of our posts, and we will pick someone by the end of the week. So Friday, January, whatever the date is, 26th, 5th, whatever, th- whatever that Friday is. We will yeah. pick a winner and someone will be sent that book. So thank yes. you so much. 
so much and everything all links and everything will be in the show notes so not to worry everyone if you're driving please don't pull over don't get into a car accident we, when we know better we do better like when you get to work then you can check out all the links <laughs> i always end my episodes with a joke because language is fun jokes are fun and it's a great yeah. icebreaker for our students what do snowmen eat for lunch what do they eat for lunch no idea what do they eat icebergers icebergers yep my drum set sing and, and my daughter's been watching like Muppet Baby. So like, I feel like I need to say like, waka, waka, waka. Why not, right, guys? I appreciate it. I love it. <laughs> so everyone, if you love what Dr. Zanita Karen has to offer, make sure you head to speechretreat.com and sign up to hear her speak on March 4th. It's a Saturday and she'll be talking more about using books with your preschool students and to build tons of language and how to incorporate books in your speech therapy and give more ideas than you probably ever thought of. And if you have not, <laughs> gotten inspired here today about just even her sharing how she uses books to empower parents and other caregivers to elicit language. I know you're going to want to join us on March 4th. So make sure you check that out at speechretreat.com. If you haven't, the deadline for the swag boxes being mailed to you is like the end of this week. So make sure you don't miss it. Um, But don't worry, you can still register up until the day of the event. And until next week, everyone, like always, And I tell my students this every single time so they know that speech is over. Stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.